Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. breakdown uh, and coming in at number five is Rutgers uh, last season Pat Chambers set to uh, take Rutgers to the tournament for the first time in 30 years Rod <laughs> uh, a 19 and 11 overall record 11 and 9 in the conference um, 28th in Ken Palm and 30 in the net and I think you look at Steve Peichel and it's it's uh, starting to the results are starting to show for him. He he has done exactly what when Sam and I I think I have to go back to recall this for sure, but I believe our first year of the podcast was Steve Peichel's first year. Yeah, I think I, so. Yeah. Pretty sure that's accurate. And we said. I know I felt, and I, and I think Sam agreed with me, that Rutgers was a five-year job, meaning you had to give him that long to get things on the right track mm-hmm. because the program was so down. It has no tradition. You just touched on you know, 30 years, <laughs> and, and it, had been, it had been a decade and a half, I think, before that. Mm-hmm. since they made the tournament. So they basically have one. There's a pretty good documentary Big Ten Network ran on them last year at some point. Um, their team that went to the Final Four in 76 or 77. Uh, that's the one shiny moment of basketball history at Rutgers. That's it. They, there is no other stuff. <laughs> um, so it's a really tough job. And, you're, yeah, you're in New Jersey, which is good because you have proximity to a lot of talent. The bad news is you are seen as an afterthought in that state, and everybody in the world recruits there. Mm-hmm. You know, Seton Hall has done a lot more in that state than you have, and they can get some guys. Then you got the ACC that comes in. The rest of the Big East comes in. Uh, you know, occasionally the Big Ten will come in and take a player out of New Jersey. I mean, it is everybody who recruits that state. So it's even the advantages aren't as big as they would seem. Their facilities are not great. Mm-hmm. They play in a gym, which is charming to see on television. And it feels like a glorified high school gym. Cause it is the rack, but uh, it's a high school gym. So you don't have those advantages. So all of this was to say, I think we thought, you know, you take over a job like that, 
there are two ways you can do it. One is you come in and you just recruit your way to success. And most of the time in a job like that, that's going to involve cheating. That's just how it is. Um, I didn't assume that's what Pykele was going to do. What I liked about his potential was that he was a program builder. He had built a program from really nothing at Stony Brook and turned them into a power at that level. Yet he had also done coaching under Jim Calhoun, and he played for Jim Calhoun at UConn. When Jim Calhoun was building that program from kind of a perennial afterthought to a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So I felt like Peichel had seen it done. He'd done it himself at a lower level. And he kind of had a chance to be the right kind of guy. But what what you need to do first in that job, or a job like that, is you establish the foundation elements of your program. What are you going to be? And in his case, he came in and he said, we are going to rebound and we are going to defend. And that's a smart thing to do because those are elements of the game that you have a better shot, in my view, of getting across with a less talented roster, which is what he had. Because so much of that comes down to, not all of it by any means, but a lot of it comes down to effort and want to and toughness, you know. And if you can get you can get those things, those elements across to guys who aren't McDonald's All-Americans, who don't have all the offensive talent in the world, but, man, they can learn how to use their bodies to defend. They can get coached in a system that can help them defend. They can play with a kind of motor and toughness that will allow them to be effective on the glass. You know, those kind of things you get done, and he did. Right away, for as bad as they were, you could see, man, Rutgers is going to defend. I mean, do you remember Michigan State in seventeen eighteen with Miles and Jaron and all those guys went into Rutgers and everybody was pissed off because Michigan State really had to struggle to win. Mm-hmm. And it was Pykele's second year. They weren't great by any stretch, but they were figuring that out. He was in, he had already gotten that across. You knew whatever else. You were going to come into Rutgers. They were going to make it tough on you to score. And they were going to rebound with you. Uh, they probably wouldn't be able to throw the ball in the ocean, and that's why you'd be able to beat them. But it wouldn't be fun. Mm-hmm. So he did those things. And then what you hope for is that you gradually get better as guys mature in your system, and you win more games, and you win more games, and eventually you win enough that you establish enough credibility that you're able to go out and get a better caliber of talent. You've still kept your program foundations in place everybody knows you don't defend you don't rebound you don't play but now the guys that you're asking to do those things can also go out and get the ball in the bucket a little bit Mm -hmm. and so you get better gradually that is exactly what has happened and to his credit he did it in four years not five you said it they would have been a tournament team no question last year there was not even a scintilla of doubt their metrics added up that way they were 19-11 overall. They had a winning record in the Big Ten. They had some big wins. They had everything you needed. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the future is very bright there because he's now broken through. We'll talk about it on a big-time recruit that everybody wanted. I'm not saying that Rutgers is going to be filled with McDonald's All-Americans every year from here on out, but Steve Peichel has got, I think, a really good chance at sustaining success for as long as he wants to be there. 
Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. I just like the way they've gone about it. I really do. I, I guess that's maybe one of the the worries at Rutgers is you have to think there's some teams uh, looking at Steve Peichel, um at some yeah. point here. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, you do. And and I think he, he has to prove that he can sustain it. I mean, we go back a couple of years. It's not that long ago. Northwestern had that breakthrough season. And everybody, me included, was completely sold on Chris Collins. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying the same things about him that I'm saying now about Peichel. Man, he came in. He established a program DNA. He got better talent. And now they're winning. And there's no reason for it not to continue. Well, it's been a struggle there. Minnesota seemed like they had their breakthrough. Been a struggle. Yeah. So there's no guarantees. But I like Peichel's chances to sustain this. I really do. Mm-hmm. I just, I think he's a, he's proven to be a really good coach. He's just, he's an easy guy to like because he's no frills. There's no act, song and dance shit, shtick, you know, none of that. His teams don't come out and try to play cute. They're not trapping you. They're not 40 minutes ahead. We want to run. <laughs> They're not doing that crap. They come out, they line up and they say, we're going to physically beat on you for 40 minutes. We're going to play harder than you, and at the end of 40 minutes, we're going to look up and we're going to beat you. And and last year, that started to be true far more often than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'd mentioned and they returned so much too, sixth so. in the country in defense. Uh, yeah, just outstanding. Yeah, and you know, and on offense, they finished 72, which normally for a Big Ten team, especially a first division team. You would look at that and say, well, that's not great. And it's not great. But by Rutgers standards, it's great. They've continued to make improvement. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that will only get better as the talent level continues to improve. And you know what? That's happening too. Mm-hmm. So you get guys that are just better players, that offense is going to get better. I don't think Steve Peichel is inherently a bad offensive coach. I just think he hasn't had great gifted players who can go out and hit a lot of shots and make it look easy, mm. you know, and who can also give him what he wants in the other areas, I should say. Well, now he's starting to get some of those guys. And as that happens, I think they're going to stay really good on defense, but they're going to get better offensively. Mm. Uh, so one of the guys they lose, Akwazi Yaboa. Uh, 9.8 points a game, 44 from the floor, 36 from three, and 78 from the line, uh, and 4.8 rebounds a game. Yeah, you know, they they had a, a big loss heading into last season, which, again, makes what they did all the more remarkable because their best player of the year prior was uh, Eugene Omarui, who ended up transferring to Oregon. And that was a shocker. That came out of left field for them that he opted to leave. And so that created a hole because he was a multi-dimensional guy at the fort. A lot of different things was a key guy for them in a lot of areas. They needed a replacement for him. Well, Yaboa is not as good a player, mm-hmm. but he was good enough. He had been recruited by Pico at, at, um, at, uh, Stony, Stony Brook. Brook. I don't think he played. He, he didn't play for him, but he had been recruited there. So he knew him a little bit and physically and in terms of skill set, he fit the bill. I think that was kind of a best-case scenario for transfer-up guys. I think where that has a chance for success is when you're not asking the guy to come in, like we talked about Purdue, right? Jahab Proctor was brought in 
basically to try and replace as much of Carson Edwards' scoring production as he could. Well, that was always going to come up empty. He probably didn't have a terrible year, but he just was never going to be that. In Yeboah's case, they weren't asking. I said, come in, play the four, rebound a little, hit a shot occasionally, give us some scoring, play defense, just be a guy, be a part of it, rather than a guy we're going to lean on heavily. Or, or even worse, when teams bring in guys, like we talk about at Michigan with the Smith kid, to run the point, that's asking a lot. To run a team of a, of a guy in that scenario, you know, it just is. So I think you both succeeded. You know, you mentioned almost 10 points a game, 44, 36, 78, solid, rebounded decently, started 22 times. They didn't need him to be everything that Omarui was because they, I think they figured correctly so other guys were going to improve around him, but they needed somebody to fill some of that. And that's exactly what Yaboa did. So to me, that was a good addition. It worked out. Mm. Uh, and then the other guy they lose is Jack Carter, 6'9", senior. Um, only 12 minutes a game, but 3.6 points, 2.5 rebounds a game, and 57 from the floor. Yeah, you know, not huge numbers, but Rutgers has got a lot of mileage through, you know, we talked about what Peichel's template has been. Part of what's enabled them to be as successful as a rebounding team and a defensive team is they've just had a plethora of size mm-hmm. to just roll out at you. And Carter has been one of those guys the last couple of years. You know, 57% from the floor means he played within himself. You know, gave him a little bit of rebounding, gave him a little, didn't play huge minutes, 12 points a game. You didn't lose a star. You lost a guy who was part of a deep front court, and the good news in that is that Rutgers has guys who can fill those minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, Carter, it's a situation where I think Carter was pretty good in the role that they asked him to play, but they can replace him. Yeah, and the the good news for them is that's the only two players they lose. Right, um, and that's part of why I'm so bullish on them, mm-hmm. why I've got them at five, is because they've got almost everybody back. Uh, so... As far as players returning, Geo Baker is back, 6'3 combo guard, uh, who's a senior this year. Um, 10.9 points a game last year, 40% from the floor, 28% from three, 78 from the line. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of hype around him. Andy Katz, who I generally think is really good and, and usually kind of a sober voice mm-hmm. in, um, in college basketball on the national level and, and, and the Big Ten. He does a lot, pays a lot of attention to the Big Ten. Yeah. And really talking up Geo Baker. I like Geo Baker, but to me, he's not even the best player on this team. He's an important guy, but you know, you look at the efficiency, 28% from three, 40% overall. That's not great offensive efficiency. Yeah, he did a nice job as, you know, leading them in assists at a two to one ratio, so he wasn't turnover crazy. There's elements about Geo Baker I like. He's got good size at about six three. He's athletic. He's got a good enough handle that he can use it to create his own shot. You know, pretty good defensively. I mean, there are definitely a lot of things to like, but I just feel like he's never been as efficient as you want him to be. And therefore, he, his production never quite matches what your eyes are telling you he should be because mm-hmm. he looks like a good player when you watch him. Yeah. Looks like what a good guard is supposed to look like. But then you look at the, the numbers and that's not great. I think the biggest thing with him is shot selection and usage. He's been kind of a ball dominant player and 
I personally think he would be a lot better if they had somebody else triggering that offense and they kind of let him loose to say, just focus on just focus on scoring and on getting and taking good shots, mm. not just shots. Yeah. Uh, and then they bring uh, Ron Harper Jr. back, uh, 6'5", 245, um, 12 points a game last year, 5.8 rebounds, 45, 35, and 71 shooting. He, this is their best player. I mean, Ron, Ron Harper Jr. was good as a freshman, really took a step up last year. And I mean, you look at those physical numbers, six, five, two forty five, and you're a guard. That's the definition of a power guard. <laughs> um, he's got bloodlines. You know, his dad was a great NBA player, had some injury trouble and then ended up being a really good member of the supporting cast on that first run of three peats for the bulls playing alongside Michael Jordan. Um, junior is a little bit different player. His dad, before he was hurt, was a, an upper tier athlete. Ron is a really good athlete for a guy his size, better athlete than you might think looking at him because he's kind of a big guy for that position. Um, but I, I really like him, and I think he's got more to give. You know, 45, 35, 71 is pretty good shooting. I think he can get better. If he can become a 40% shooter from three, the, the better still. I mean, you're talking about a guy who I think could even be you know, lurking somewhere in the all big 10 mix. Mm. I think he's, I think he's that good. Almost six rebounds a game from the wing that he gives you a life reliable defensively. Um, he just, he does a lot of things. Well, not a guy, a lot of people talk about, but they should. Mm. Uh, and then Jacob young, six, two transfer guard from Texas, uh, who didn't start any games, but he got 21 minutes a game on, and wound up scoring 8.5 points per game. 41 from the floor, 28 from three, and 59 from the line. Yeah, you know, what you like about him is that he can get to the basket um, and draw fouls. What you don't like is that he doesn't finish well enough when he gets there, and 59% from the line isn't nearly good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Young is a motor guy, though. You know, he's a guy that, you like because of the energy he brings. He's another guy that's reliable defensively, so that's why he's going to continue to play. They just need to hope that he can get that shot dialed in a little bit better. If he was even a mid thirties guy, well, then you then you're really cooking, mm. you know. But I I think they like him. I think Pykele likes him because of how hard he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like um, Brockington at Penn State, you know. It's it, it, they remind me of each other a little bit. Brockington's a little bigger, but I mean the effect on the game and the energy they bring off the bench is similar. Uh, and then Montez Math, a six-four junior, started um, all thirty-one games for him. Seven point four points a game, thirty-eight from the floor, thirty from three, and sixty-six from the line. You know he's played a lot and he started a lot. He started all thirty-one games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think. If it were me, and I, I haven't seen anything to indicate this is happening, but I would be thinking about perhaps shaking that lineup up a little bit. Because if Mathis is starting opposite Harper, that means Geo Baker's your point guard. As I say, I think Geo Baker would be better if you got him off the ball more. Mm-hmm. I think the team would be better. And they've got a couple guys that I think could be good candidates to be playing in bigger roles than they have in the past and be real facilitators for them. That's my personal opinion. So to me, Mathis might help you more if he was moved 
to a role coming off the bench. He, where he and Young could be the wings off the bench and just come in with energy and some size. You know, Mathis has some game, but 30% shooting from three, not quite good enough, in my opinion, to be warranting quite as large a role as he has. I would want to see some other looks. That's mm-hmm. how I'd put it. Yeah. Uh, and then Miles Johnson, uh, a massive uh, guy, 6'11", 260, junior, um, 7.8 points a game, 7.9 rebounds, and a block and a half uh, a game. Yeah, you know, uh, yet another big man who you look at the numbers and say, wow, he had a nice year. And you realize he got lost in the shuffle. Nobody talked about him last season. Mm-hmm. I think he could be a double-double guy easily this season. I, you know, with, with him, they need to continue to improve his conditioning so he can play more minutes. But I think their whole MO is, is shuffling guys in at those spots anyway so they're all fresh. I just think you want him playing a little more than he did. The other thing that's got to happen is he's got to shoot free throws better. He was 36% at the line. And with his game, he's strictly a back-to-the-basket-around-the-rim kind of guy. He's going to get fouled a lot. Mm. And when you're down in that range at 36%, it starts to get really easy for opponents to decide, hey, let's just put him at the line. I mean, as long as they've got the fouls <laughs> to give, you know, that's a that's an easy option. Mm-hmm. So he's got to get a little better there, but I, I like what he brings to them. Um you know, as I say, I think he's got another gear he can give as a scorer. He's already been a good rebounder. He's a pretty good defensive presence. Could get in a little better shape, and I think if he does that, then he's got another gear he can hit overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb McConnell, six six junior guard, averaged six point seven points, three point seven rebounds, um, as sort of a wing wing slash point. Yeah, the the word on him is that he's gotten a little stronger this year, which is good. Uh, the jump shot's not great, but I think he's one of two guys I could imagine playing a bigger role because, again, I think they've just got to get better at the point. That, to me, is the next frontier in Rutgers basketball is when do they get a guy who can make everybody around him better, and that's when you'll see that offense truly improve. Because they've, you know, Pico early on, he inherited Corey Sanders, who was a fun guy to watch, but was completely out of control, <laughs> you know. And now you've got Geo Baker, who plays like a slightly more reined in Corey Sanders. Mm-hmm. There needs to come a point where they've just got a guys they put out there is that, okay, this guy's job is to is to facilitate this thing, is to run our offense, to make plays for other people. And McConnell's a guy I think I've seen enough from that I believe he could help doing that. He's one of two guys that I think could help doing that. Mm-hmm. Help do that and help in doing that. And and that's uh that to me is what they need. So if it were me, he would definitely be a contender for a starting spot. Yeah. I don't know whether he will or not, but that that's how I would view it. Uh yeah, and he may be going up against this next guy, Paul McKahey. Six six sophomore guard, um, who played eighteen minutes last year, scored three point seven points a game. Um, but he he's an interesting player, uh, Rod. Really, really interesting. I mean, he from the first moment you see him, you can figure that every if Rutgers was better or was perceived as being good, which didn't quite happen last year, but could this year, he will be right at the top of most hated opponents. 
just because of the way he looks. Yeah. And not to mention the way he conducts himself, but you know, he's got a headband. Okay, that's the first thing. White guy. Uh, white guy with a headband. That's a good start. You know, and then, and then he kind of plays with a flair and a little bit of cockiness to him that I think if Rutgers, again, if they were ever perceived as something other than the cute overachiever, that guy would be right on the top of hit lists mm-hmm. among fans in this league. I, he's my choice. He's the guy I would start. If it were me, based on, you know, Steve Peichel knows infinity more than I do about his team, but just as an, an outside observer, I'm re- I've really been impressed what I saw out of Mulcahy last year. Just his size at 6'6 is great. He sees the floor really well, and I think he's willing. He's a willing passer, a willing creator. He likes to do that, and he's good at it. I think he tried to do too much at times last year, but that happens with a young player. Mm-hmm. You know, let's remember Denzel Valentine's early days, right? A lot of, you know, you got, you got Izzo calling him Tragic Johnson. You know? <laughs> yeah. That stuff happens. That stuff happens with yeah. young guys who have great vision and want to play with some flair. But I, I don't think the way to get the best out of them is to not work through that with them. I'm not saying you just turn them loose and let them make all the mistakes they want to make, mm-hmm. but you find a way to hone that. And it's hard to do that when you're not playing them. I, I just think if they're going to get better offensively to me, Mulcahy's a way they can do that. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Uh, and then Mohamedou Ducour, a six ten senior, um, Saw action in 20 games last year, but not a whole lot of production. Under a point and uh, just about a rebound a game. Yeah, you know, he came in a few years ago as a borderline top 100 guy, which was rare for Rutgers. And he reclassed, and I thought, you know, based on what I had heard, oh, he's got size and they say he can move. Well, you know, that should be the ticket to a big role. It's never really happened for him. And obviously, as a senior, he's running out of time. I I do think... um there's a chance that he could play more significant minutes than he did last year. You're only getting in 20 games. You're not even a regular part of the rotation. I think because the way Peichel has proven he likes to play big guys and he lost a starting four man and he lost a backup there. So he needs a couple new faces. Now he's brought in some younger guys, some recruits who probably have a leg up, but I wouldn't rule out decor from at least earning some minutes. We'll just have to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the newcomers, uh, coming in, Cliff Omururi, um, 6'11", 240, um, native of New Jersey. And this was the guy that you were talking about that they needed yeah. to land, uh, a kind of a big-time recruit. It Statement recruit. I mean, it defines that term. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, a kid from your home state that everybody wanted. Um, highly regarded. You mentioned the size. He also has a seven foot five wingspan. Um, but yet he's not a finished product offensively. Doesn't have a jump shot. His low post game isn't really very sophisticated yet. So it's mostly down to physical tools and motor that he's rated where he is. So you add all that up and you say, okay, if he was a top 10 guy, maybe we can't get him. But where he is, top 50 recruit, you know, even with the competition, maybe we've got a shot. And sure enough, they landed him. Rutgers had proven enough. So it's a big deal. And 
I, they they seem to feel that he can play alongside Johnson. Uh, that that remains to be seen uh, because he doesn't have reportedly a, a sophisticated offensive game. So that means Rutgers will really would really be featuring a Twin Towers setup, you know. And we saw Illinois do that last year and have success. So you can't rule out that it would work. But I, I don't know. I think Omarui is going to play a lot. One, because of the talent he has. Two, because I think when you land a kid like him, the last thing you want to do from a, from a recruiting perspective, from, you know, looking into the future is to not give that guy every opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. You want highly rated kids in that state to see another highly rated kid in that state succeeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to play a big role. I think defensively, it's a no-brainer. He's going to be a major impact guy with that wingspan, and and reportedly his instincts are pretty good already on that end as it is. Uh, offensively, I got to think as an offensive rebounder and around the rim, he can do some damage. It just remains to be seen how much, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he's he's an important guy for that for sure. Uh, and then they bring in six foot seven uh, Mawat Mog. From uh, Australia, who played at Prolific Prep. Yeah, um, had some injury issues, which kind of kept him under the radar a little bit. But they like his strength. He's 215 pounds, and they see him as a guy who could eventually be a little bit like Harper Jr. or Mathis as kind of a power guard. You know, we mentioned how these coaches have types. We talked about it with Purdue, right? Yeah. Profiles. Well, I think it's fair to say Steve Peichel likes him some size and that doesn't just mean inside mm-hmm. he likes big power wings and mog seems to be a guy they think can develop into that i, I wouldn't expect him to play a lot this year because rucker's perimeter group is pretty solid you know um essentially they're six deep as it is so i don't look for him to see a lot of minutes this year but down the line he's a guy that they like his potential mm-hmm uh, and then Dean Reber, six foot ten power forward. Yeah, um, has a chance because again we just talked about it with Omarui, right? They Rutgers needs some help with the four. Now, one thing they could do is they could opt to play Harper Jr. or Mathis as an undersized four man. They could do that, and I wouldn't shock me if they did. But if they don't go that route, then I think there's an opportunity for another freshman besides Omarui to work their way into the regular rotation. And Reber would be a candidate because he's 6'10", has decent size. They claim he can shoot. Uh, he had other high major offers. Penn State had offered him. Others offered him. So I would say, if he, especially if he can prove that he can stretch a defense a little bit, he's got a chance to play some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Oscar Palmquist, the 6'8", uh, Swede. Yep. And he played basketball last year in Florida. Word on him is, again, strong shooter. We know Rutgers desperately needs that. If he can do that at this level, if it translates immediately, well, there probably are minutes for him. If he can do, and the same would apply to Reber, can he defend and can he rebound? Because I think that's where it starts for Pykele. you got to be able to help in those areas. And then if you can do that, okay, if you can also score a little bit, that gives you a leg up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, it for the lineup, uh, Rod. It looks like, you know, they're basically returning, for the most part, the, the whole team, just about. Um, they brought yeah. some guys in. 
defense was already number six in the country last year. Um, but you've got them pretty high on here. I do. And, and the only reason I don't have them higher still is I don't think they've quite turned the corner enough offensively. I think if you're going to, you can be a pretty good team in the Big Ten if you're really good at one end, mm. you know. But if you want to win it, you better be good at both. And they haven't proven enough on offense yet, but they're getting there. Mm. You know, if, if McConnell or Mulcahy can grab that point guard slot and run with it, and help make that team better offensively, that could be another step in that direction, you know. Um, I think we know they're going to be good on defense again because they always are. We know they're going to rebound because they always do. The question is how much better do they get offensively? And I think they will be a little bit better, but maybe not quite enough to get into title contention. I think they're, you know, the way I've got them grouped is there's a top four who I think are all very close and then Rutgers in their own category, and then we've got that next four we talked about, IU, Ohio State, Michigan, Maryland, and maybe even throw Purdue in there too. Uh, so maybe it's five teams in that middle pack. Uh, I think Rutgers kind of stands on their own. They're between that mid-pack. They're better than that, but they're not quite good enough where I'm confident to put them in the title mix. Mm-hmm. But it's coming. I mean, if Peichel stays there, I think he's going to have a team eventually that's good enough to push. And, and at least be a factor in a Big Ten championship race. I really do. I, I'm, I'm just so impressed with what he's done there. And I think he's, there's no reason to believe that he's not going to continue to add better talent mm-hmm. now that he's finally had a breakthrough recruit and he's winning. You know, the, the only caveat, the biggest concern is one that is, it doesn't even have a fully rational basis. Because there's nothing that Rutgers has done to suggest that they're likely to backslide, right? Yeah. But it's it's that example I talked about of Northwestern and Minnesota a few years ago where they both had big seasons. They both brought tons back. And I, you just thought, okay, they, they, they were good and they bring everybody back. Of course they're going to be better. And they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's the thing. It is a different deal when you have a target on your back. And I think Rutgers – while it's not a Michigan State size target they're wearing, um, it is a target in the sense that nobody will think it's an automatic win this mm-hmm. year playing Rutgers. So that is a different thing, and we'll see how they handle it. Okay, well that'll wrap up uh, Rutgers. Until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.